0: Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live, and today we have a very special guest, Pinhead himself, Paul T. Taylor. Paul, thank you so much for being with us. How are you doing today?
1: It's my pleasure, Viz. It's, uh, I'm well. I'm doing great.
0: And to be talking to Pin, I've had the honor to talk to the original Pinhead and the guy who closed it out, or at least in the most recent movie, yourself, in Hellraiser yeah. Judgment. Uh, both of you are fantastic. Uh, have you ever had a chance to meet Doug Bradley?
1: Yes, actually, uh, I met him at uh, I met him at uh, a screening. It was the 30th anniversary of the original Hellraiser, and uh, he came into Texas. I live in Dallas, and he came into Texas along with Clive Barker and three other three of the original Cenobites because it was the 30th anniversary of the original film and. Uh, I don't remember if Judgment had come out or if it was just about to come out, but I was also a guest that that year at um, Frightmare. But the night before was the screening, so I went to the screening and uh, met those folks in the bar. Not Clive; he didn't, he wasn't there. But the four centibites were there, <laughs> so I met them at at the screening, and they had a and A before the movie. And I held up my hand and to ask a question. And I asked my question and then Doug goes, um, does everyone know who's asking the question? (laughs) I was like, ah, so, you know, people either knew or they didn't. He said, this is your new pinhead, Mm -hmm. Paul T. Taylor. And la, 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 you should welcome him with open arms. Anyway, he was very, you know, he's very kind and gracious. He didn't have to do that. um, So it was a really cool weekend. So I got to hang out with Doug and, and, uh,
0: that's awesome. So the original Hellraiser came out in 87, 30 years, we put it at 217. Judgment, I believe, came out in 2018. So it's right about there, right about the same time. Yes. Uh, What'd you think of Clive Barker?
1: I thought, well, to me, he was just a sweet, do you mean in person or do you mean as an artist?
0: in person uh i've heard him speak in at conventions and i've said this many times on this show he is the most normal looking kindest person but when you get to hear uh his creative thoughts it scares the shit out of you that's how scary his creative mind is
1: yes we didn't really get into it because i was sitting at my table during the convention and the only reason i met clive was because one of the uh, volunteers, who I think was helping to run Clive's room, who happens to be a friend of mine, came to my table and said, if you want to meet Clive Barker, come with me now. So I jumped up and I followed into the room. He, <clears throat> he got me in front of all this, this long line of people, because everybody wants to meet Clive Barker. And, and um, I stepped up to the table and he said, so you're the new pinhead Yeah, thank you so much he's like what was it like working with gary and i talked about you know gary tonicliffe and and thanked clive for the creation of pinhead and hellraiser and all things clive barker and blah 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 but we didn't get to talk for very long because he had this long line of people um waiting to be we're actually you know paying for an autograph so so i kind of had to get but um my impression of him yes was that he was just this lovely gentle kind sweet man that's all i know yeah
0: and that's who he is he is the kindest person uh and i've heard him talk when he was doing panels uh this is back in the 90s now uh and when he starts explaining his inspiration for like i believe the words he used were you know erotica, horror which is what hellraiser really is uh man his mind works on a completely different level.
1: He was into some things or is into some things that many people don't even know exist. Exactly. No, and that's not even it. That's not even, it's not about what he's into. It is, it's about that mind. Like you're born with, I don't know, yeah. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. Read a lot of stuff and, and uh, just nobody puts into words the things. I mean, he he's so creative and. It beautiful and grotesque and uh,
0: <laughs> absolutely and i love it absolutely love it. now uh according to imdb there's another hellraiser movie coming out in 2022 now in right. judgment uh clive is just given credit as of course the creator of hellraiser uh yeah. he wasn't actively involved in the writing process do right. you know well first of all who are you coming back as pinhead in the 2022? I am not. Okay. Okay. Uh, because oh, the
1: someone forgot to make, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, it's filming right now. Yeah. And from everything, I mean, from what I understand, and I may be confused on these facts, they may not actually be facts. It just may be what appears to be uh, a female identifying person is playing the lead Cenobite. So hearkening back to having a genderless lead Cenobite. Yeah. Uh, my my association with Hellraiser was pretty strong when it was owned by Bob Weinstein with Dimension Films, the franchise. And then Me Too happened. And with Me Too, two things happened. One was great for me. Not so great. Well, one was not so great for me, but it's an important movement. So let me just explain that. Please do not last, but so the movie was finished and had been finished for two years and I had been waiting for it to come out and it wasn't released and wasn't released and wasn't released. They made it so that they could hang on to the franchise, had to make a movie every five years. I was, I thought maybe they don't even have to release it. Maybe it's not going to be released. Maybe I'm going to be a fool here. And, um, Me Too happened, and suddenly the Weinsteins, from what I understand, are, are releasing everything they have because they need money for lawyer lawyer fees and, you know, mm-hmm. lawsuits and everything. So Hellraiser Judgment got released. Thank God. Yes. That's given me, you know, that's given me this, uh, this this new life sort of, and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for it. On the other hand, all of the people who were associated with Dimension Films, who had said things to me, like direct quote, "Pretty sure if you want this big, it's yours," or pointing at me and saying, "You're the franchise," you know, you know, because Judgment did set up a beautiful, um, uh, yeah, it could have been a great sequel. Yeah, but that stuff's not going to happen. And I had, I've had a few years to, to watch that devolve. But at the same time, I now have this life that is is—I have a convention life. It's raised my, um, it's raised my profile as an actor. It's made more people want to work with me. And that is, you know, that's a gift in itself. Yes. Um, and I got to play pinhead. Nobody can take it away from me. So, exactly. it's, you know what? It, it if, if Me Too hadn't happened, that movie might never have been released. I don't know. So no. I have to look at both sides. I can't be angry about any no. of it.
0: And, the, and this industry, you know, words are very easily said. But everything yeah. in entertainment is very fluid. What yeah, you, is going to happen today is completely off the table tomorrow.
1: You never know. You never I mean, know. I mean, I call tomorrow and somebody could be like, yeah, we're going to do a sequel to Judgment. Or or we because you played Pinhead, we want you to play this part in another Hellraiser project. Or whatever. It could be anything. So I'm just uh, like, I have to be humble and grateful for it. Because so many people would, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. People would
1: play a role like that.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's, Absolutely. It was, uh, cult status in a way. That, I, that, you know, just crazy. Life's yeah. so crazy.
0: Now, do you know, uh, asking, you know, as an actor in the film, who actually now, is it still Clive that owns the rights to Hellraiser, the story?
1: I, I don't, oh, to the story? I, I don't know. Yeah. I only know that that, um, you know, he gets credit in the films for creating characters. Characters created by, yeah. you know, M.D.B. Um,
0: but as far as studios and all that, it gets really messy.
1: It really does, and I don't understand it. And and you hear experts, and they, you know, maybe they know what they're talking about, maybe they don't. And um, you know, I understand that it's my understanding that Clive has sued to get the rights back. If a film is not finished by the end of this year, then he can get the rights back. And then I, I hear that they are yeah. still doing a shooting a thing right now. David Bruckner and. Uh, yeah. David Goyer are shooting a film in Serbia as we speak. Apparently, I you know this yeah. is unless it's all a ruse and none of it's true. You never know.
0: But, and the reason I ask is because in the film that is supposedly coming out next year, Clive Barker is listed as the main writer, not characters created by, but yeah. a part of the writing team.
1: I know. Yeah, I saw that too. So it is confusing. It it's is like, well, did he do and get the rights back? Is he just he just want he he knows it'll be a better film if he writes on it. They paid him something to be in it. Who knows? But if he's writing it, all right. Oh, that yeah. is good for the franchise. And and personally, um, any attention, any healthy attention that Helweiser gets reflects well on anyone who's involved with the
0: franchise. Yeah. Now, you so, got to go back to when the original came out. It was 1987. And Clive, you know, brought us on the screen stuff that we had never seen before, stuff that would today is called body torture, erotic, uh, everything, yeah. and he just combined yeah. it together. And I don't—I was like what 13 when the film came out, but <laughs> I, I do remember that, uh, you know, it caught a lot of critics off guard. And I always tell people that history is going to be the judge of what a film is going to end up. And yeah. history has put Hellraiser and the franchise in the cult, not even cult, it's a, it's in the horror classic category.
1: Yeah, it is. I uh,
0: love that. It absolutely is. And he, he did an amazing job. And of course, I mean, how many movies was uh, Judgment number 10 in the series? It was number
1: 10. Yeah.
0: And it's still going strong. And it's still going strong. It's still making money.
1: And uh, many people rank it pretty darn high in their Mm -hmm. list. They're big Hellraiser fans. You know, there's 10 movies. Some people, I've heard a couple of people say it's their favorite of all of them. But most people don't say that. Most people, if they're going to come to my table and talk to me, or online or whatever, they may rank it in the top three. They may Mm -hmm. rank it in the top four something like that and that feels so good you know and some people may say it's a piece of shit and they hate it and that's fine too i i don't i agree
0: i mean just compare it to like friday the 13th which has gone 10 movies and beyond uh after a certain amount you get some really bad ones but then you'll get one that really surprises you and yeah i'm on that side too judgment i would put it in the top three of the Hellraiser movies. It was really, really good. Good story. I mean, you know, go on. We,
1: we have Gary J. Tonicliff to thank for all of that. You know, this, this was the judgment was a love letter yeah. to Hellraiser by Barker. It was his, his, finally his chance to direct a Hellraiser. He wrote it. He directed it. He played the auditor. He, he, used his own director fees towards the props he you know he the dude knows what he's doing he knows how to do a horror film and he knows effects and makeup for sure and he's the reason it's as good as it good as it is that set was so organized and uh you know he really wanted it to be doug bradley's final um performance as pinhead he wanted to direct doug as pinhead and and that would have been his you know his dream come true that did not work out. So um so lucky me. But um that he really is the reason. It's as good as good as it yeah. is, and I, uh, I hope people give him the credit that he is due. It sounds
0: um, like he went beyond uh just oh, a professional and put his heart and soul and sweat into this. Absolutely. Now ranking yourself, uh you have done a wide spectrum of projects. Uh before Hellraiser what were your feelings in regards to the horror
1: genre? I have always loved horror now I am not into gore uh per se some gore is is great if it's if it serves a purpose, but yeah. when it becomes just let's just really gross them out, mm-hmm. then I'm like eh, i'd yeah, rather I, I'd rather have good dialogue you know I'd rather have strong characters making bold choices and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I've i loved horror since I was a kid and I wasn't really exposed to it very much. Um, most of my exposure to horror was like Saturday night at the movies, you mm-hmm. know, at first when I was a kid. I just wasn't, I was, my whole family didn't really see horror films. I think the first one I remember the family going to without me was the omen and that was you know quite a while ago but they went to the theater and I was a kid and they didn't take me um the exorcist came out when I was in grade school I was not allowed to go see that but I read the book you know but my biggest like I saw Vincent Price in grade school they showed the raven one year yeah like oh that's cool but um the first time I got that jolt that you get from horror that made me it becomes a drug and you kind of want it again
0: mm-hmm.
1: was uh i think this is right I'm pretty sure this is right it was trilogy of terror with karen black yes dooney fetish doll everyone in my family i was the youngest of three kids and everyone else it was a saturday night everyone else was gone i had my little pizza and my you know orange crush or whatever everyone's gone it's night time i'm watching saturday night at the movies and on comes trilogy of terror with this wonderful cross-eyed actress I'd never seen before. And she does the first two stories and I'm like, Oh, this is creepy. This is kind of great. But the third story is the one about the Zuni fetish doll. And I'm, th- that was the first time I ever was exposed to that feeling that you get. That is truly that adrenaline rush where you're really scared and you don't know what to do with it as a kid. It's,
0: I know. It, I know. It
1: just freaked me out. But I've, I've loved that ever since, and then going to a movie like The Exorcist, which is just a freaking fantastic, it's a masterpiece, and but it's a horror film, and so, something like that, it's such a work of art, you know? Um,
0: and yet invoked such a, a physical response in the audience when, they were, when it came
1: out. Yeah, and Jaws too, I saw Jaws in the theater as well, which is a different kind of horror film altogether, but yeah. oh my. God,
0: That was scary. I'm with you. Give me a good psychological thriller with no yeah. blood, guts, and gore, and you've got me. I'm not looking for a blood fest and no story. That's boring. Yeah. You know There is
1: there is no blood in Psycho.
0: No. None. No. You know?
1: And yet it's riveting and terrifying. It's exactly. just really good film.
0: Exactly. So, I have found that the stuff that is uh truly terrifying to us is something that can actually happen in real life.
1: Yeah, yeah. People are terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's not the monsters
0: that are terrifying, it's people.
1: Yeah, it's people who look nice and normal and are just freaking crazy. Yeah. That's scary. Several of them are in very high positions in the world.
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. And that's what Hitchcock got with Psycho. You know, you had this good-looking young man, motel manager, and, you know, when no one's looking, he has a split personality as his dead mother.
1: (laughs) Man, I want to say, you know, I I know I'm too old to play Norman Bates, but that's my cup of tea. If I can play some sort of psycho guy like that, that really is what interests me the most.
0: Yeah. Because
1: he's got this beautiful vulnerability. He's very appealing and then he's just this, obviously, maniac. Mm-hmm. And um, he can't help it. No. no. And he feels justified in his behavior. That whole split personality thing. The same thing with, uh, with um, uh, uh, what is it? Angie Dickinson.
0: Uh, oh, uh, are you talking about Dress to Kill?
1: Dress no. to Kill.
0: Yeah. That's a great movie. A- That's a great movie.
1: It really is. And Michael Caine, oh, my God. I really want to do a remake of Dress to Kill and play the Michael Caine role. Oh. I would look great in a nurse's uniform. So.
0: <laughs> you see, that's but, a movie that, unfortunately, has gotten a little bit, well, has gotten forgotten with time. Yeah. And that's sad. That's sad because it was such a great film.
1: But Angie Dickinson and the hand and the, and the. I mean, the murder in the elevator. Mm-hmm. It's and the museum, the stalking in the museum, it's just really good filmmaking. the yeah. Palma was great. The Palma was just awesome. It, it just was
0: awesome. So let's go back. We're going to get to judgment some more in a bit, but let's go back. Now, your first, according to IMDb, your first professional credits as an actor is back in 98. Uh, before that, were, were you a theater actor? How did you get your start?
1: Yeah, I, I've done theater for, for decades, for 30 30 30 more than 30 years um 40 years 50 i started when i was a kid i grew up in kansas my dad did community theater his father was in the in vaudeville um but because dad was brought up during the depression you know he didn't want to he wasn't going to pursue that he wanted to have the american dream which was being sold at the time (laughs) and uh (laughs) So he put himself through dental school and uh you know had three kids and the lovely wife and you know we had this beautiful up family upbringing in in the middle of Kansas, but he did community theater and I saw him doing that, and I really wasn't interested in much. I was kind of a I was kind of a soft kid who just liked toys and luxury and air conditioning and uh but I saw, I saw dad doing that and I thought, I want to try that. So I, I think the first thing I did was in high grade school. I did the town mouse and the cat mouse or something. I don't remember what it was, but it was probably third grade, second grade, just, just a tot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what really, then I did a melodrama at the community theater that my dad was playing the comic relief. Cause he was always a clown. I take after him in that way. Um, I played a kid in that and then along came this children's theater thing that would meet during the summer it's called red barn players and i would do that during the summer and it sort of just made my adolescence it, i lived for it mm-hmm. and uh, that's when i really started doing it we do two or three plays during the summer and i was in almost every show in high school so you know i was just doing it and i decided at a very young age that this was really all i wanted to do and i wanted to do film as well but i was discouraged from that um kind of unfortunately I was, but we can't have regrets. We do what we do. We make the decisions we make. Mm-hmm. We're born with the parents we have. And, exactly. and you know, fortunately all of it came from a place of love, all the advice I got. But so I still, so instead of pursuing film, which pays more, I pursued theater, which pays like nothing, but I, uh, but I did it. And, and it's the work me, is like twice as much. It's made, yeah, it's made me happy for so many years. But, um, but I'd done a few movies, a handful of movies. And then when, when Hellraiser Judgment came along, uh, you know, it just sort of, boom, it kind of kicked me in the butt. And it was like, this is what I need to really pursue. Yeah. And I've put theater a little bit on the back burner. Of course, during the pandemic, there's been no choice. Yeah. There You know, take away my career for a year and a half. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah. Fortunately, things are coming back. Uh, so anyway. All my life, just all my life. I moved to New York in the 90s. I was there for about five years.
0: So you would say all the roles, like Up Until Judgment, were roles that you were doing while you were in between theater gigs?
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, um, you know, theater acting is, it's all, it's, it's all, acting is the same in a way, but it's also so different. You know, and it's a long time to get the to get the subtlety. Um, It can it can really be quite a challenge to audition. Well, for me, um, well, for for film and TV, because mostly I just get um, the redirects of throw it away. Less, 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 because I'm so used to going after the audience rather than realizing that the camera is like getting. This is what you're
0: seeing. Exactly. And I've had a lot of actors tell me, uh, like you with theater backgrounds, you got to learn how to, uh, work with the camera. Now, I'm not an actor and, uh, you know, I, have I've always been fascinated by that, st- uh, statement, uh, mm-hmm. instead of a live audience, you got to perform for the camera and apparently it's two completely different things.
1: It really is. Cause when you're on stage everyone is looking at you but they're far away you you don't you know you just do your thing and to me it's more naturalistic because natural stage acting is just it's just behavior yeah it's and it's not about the eyes Um, it's not about seeing thoughts in a person's eyes it's about the whole body so it's in a way easier And then when it comes to film acting, it's still, it has to be so much in your head. It's all about what you're thinking. So you can be doing a play and thinking about something completely different. The play is rehearsed. You've done it 20 times, 30, 40, 50, however long the run of the play has been. You got it down. You know the lines. You know how to get whatever you need, the reactions you're listening. And it's different every performance and it's alive. But at the same time, it's practiced and practiced practice whereas with film it's like you better just be able to think what the character is thinking and that's that's the challenge because Mm -hmm. the camera knows so the audience knows when it's when you're faking it and that you you don't get parts if you fake it in auditions it's hard you have to make every audition as if it's the first take
0: I absolutely agree. And there are a lot of movies that I've seen where I'm watching the actors and they're putting everything they have on the table, but something inside me is like, I know they're acting as opposed to other actors, which don't even make you think that. And I can't put my finger on it because it's, I, I, I can't, I can't explain it. It's like, I mean, they're doing their part; they're laying it out. But yet, there's a little voice behind, in the back of my head, saying, "They're acting," as opposed to, I guess, other actors where that thought never crosses your mind.
1: Yeah, it's very hard. I mean, it's just I was watching something last night, and I can't say what it is because I'm not going to talk about other actors who are super famous, yes. who I t- adore and admire, and love their careers and want to work with them. But sometimes I see these super famous reputable actors who've won awards or whatever and I watch them in something and I'm like, I see what you're doing there. You're yeah. not quite you're not quite real. Yeah. And what I, is this? I you can't be explain it. You're getting so much money. Yeah. I can do better. And you know, I I know part of that is my ego or maybe it's envy. Maybe it's jealousy. It probably is. You know, I want that kind of success. But but Part of me is like I can't put my I also can't really put my finger oh. on it. What would I do differently? What would I do that would be better? I don't know, but but sometimes I do know, but yeah. I can't talk because you know
0: it's a secret. Well, it's a trade secret. You
1: never <laughs> here watch this and hate me, and <laughs> we can't have that. No, but you know I I uh, I yearn for the opportunity to to really be able to. Test myself on, you know, in movies and TV, where where I get better and better and better and better, and uh, it's hard. It's just hard mm-hmm. to get the work first of all. So you have to get a lot of work in order to get better at it. So it's like, ugh. it's a, uh, it's. If I've you, chosen a life of rejection.
0: Oh yeah. Know, if you action. were to guess, talent and and uh, the, and training. Uh, What? I mean, obviously, talent is very, it's very important. And then you have the training, the workshops, the school, whatever it is. Uh, Can somebody who is maybe not as talented get enough training to make them into a great actor?
1: Yes, or they don't even need training. I, Because I believe I do believe that t- taking class and t- taking acting classes is very good. But at the same time, there's a the school of thought. And I believe this, too, because it's all it's an individual. You've got mm-hmm. an individual person. Will training help this specific person? I don't know. There are some people who I think are they've got. I would call it a naivete or an innocence about them or w- which gives them a boldness where mm-hmm. they have no fear so, because they have no fear, because they don't even question, you know, whether what they're doing is right or not, because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, some of those actors are so compelling because they're just—they are just existing, mm-hmm. and that's what it really is, um, you know. But you look at someone like Meryl Streep, who went to Yale and is like this, like the the master She's actor of, yeah. of our time, you know. Um who's ha- who had this flawless training, but first of all, she had that talent. So it's like talent versus luck. Um,
0: then you got to put so, training so, into there as well.
1: It's, it's so hard to say. It is. You know? It is. I absolutely well, agree. It's potential. You know, what is the, what sort of potential does a person have? And, um, uh, yeah, the, the the question of talent is a tough one. I, I just started watching American Horror Story Provincetown a couple nights ago, and I, so I think it's really good. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm kind of into it. But I don't know if you've have you seen it. Oh, yeah, you, I've
0: seen it. I'm a huge the, American Horror Story fan. The
1: plot, the plot, the question of the talent, and what will the blood, what will the capsules do? They'll either make you more brilliant because you ha- already have the talent, or they will turn you into this twitchy, hack yeah. and you will be miserable the rest of your life At, but you'll always need that drug which is the inspiration and I'm like what is my inspiration I want that drug but I don't want it because it's addictive and then you have to have it Yeah. I, but that whole the whole concept of that is fascinating to me and it's new because I just started watching it two nights ago so I watched the episode I think the daughter just took so Anyway. So
0: you started uh, from oh, season one. Shut
1: up. shut up.
0: So you're starting American Horror Story from the beginning, season one. And well, you... no
1: Provincetown.
0: No, oh, this, oh, okay. Gotcha. This
1: is the like one. It's on Netflix it's on Hulu or Netflix yeah, or whatever. Hulu. So I'm watching it, you know. Um I there have been a few seasons of American Horror Story I've skipped only because of what I've heard about from other people or or I started watching a season and gone, oh, I don't really need this. Um but I may now that I really like this at this this season the one mm-hmm. called Provincetown I don't even know what season number it is but I'm thinking you know I need to go back and give those other ones that I skipped a watch and just see
0: there you know? there have been some great ones and I I'll, I'll, I'll make it, it's it's what you're watching is the new season 10 one uh and uh there have been some great seasons Ryan Murphy the creator and it's just an amazing show we could spend hours talking about american horror story now you mentioned judgment hellraiser judgment was done filming two years before it released so you guys were done in 2016 uh now walk us through from the beginning how the role of pinhead came to you
1: i was uh First of all, the casting director knows me. He's known me for many years. His name's Chris Fryoffrey. He lives in Oklahoma City. um, And he's cast me in more things than anyone else in the world has. Um, He knew I was a weirdo. You know, I'm a weirdo. And I've always sort of played these um, clerk types, Mm -hmm. uh, middle management types, managers, basically, and uh, hotel clerks, that kind of thing. Um, Maybe guys you want to hurt. Kind of like what happened to me in Sin City. I think Robert Rodriguez was like, yeah, I want to break your arm. I'm going to cast you as this guy. So anyway, um, the first role I was looked at for this, because the, sh- the movie shot in Oklahoma City. Okay. Um, and At the time, I believe they thought that Doug Bradley was going to play Pinhead. So I got an audition notice to audition for the role of the auditor, the role that Gary ended up playing. And mm-hmm. I read it. The movie was being called Judgment, not Hellraiser Judgment. It was a secret that a Hellraiser movie was being made. And, um, but I'd read the description, and it said something about a spiraling maze of horror. And I'm like, hmm, this sounds familiar. So anyway, I get the sides for the auditor, and I hope the first page, his first line is, ah, oh, Mr. Watson, come in. We have such sights to show you. And I'm like, it's a freaking Hellraiser movie. <laughs> I'm going to get this part because I am a middle management weirdo and I'm going to do, be, do a movie with Doug Bradley and it's going to be Hellraiser and it's going to be awesome. And so, anyway, I did a hell of a good au- audition for it. You know, I just loved it so much because I don't get that kind of opportunity all that much living in Texas um, to play those kinds of roles. So then I got another notice and it was that we, we, we want to put Paul on tape for Pinhead. Um, Doug Riley's not coming back. So then, I, at the time though, I was doing a play. I'll try to tell this story quickly. I told no, no, no time, take your time. But um, I was doing a play where I was playing a minister, a priest, you might say, and um, it was a very strange priest in a very strange play called Martyr and it was about this kid in a religious high school who was taking the Bible very seriously mm-hmm. and he was judging everyone in his life and he was damning his mother to hell and he was, you know, all this weird stuff and, um, but he's got this this priest, this minister who is trying to help um, so I get this opportunity to audition for the hell priest while I'm playing this priest my my prop on the stage between scenes that the director was sort of a sadist, and he had, we had these pews, these wooden benches that were on either side of the stage, facing... We would face away from the action while the while the, while the scenes were taking place, and then we'd get up and get on stage for our scenes. So we had mm-hmm. to sit there through the whole hour and a half on these wooden pews with no intermission. And um, so I decided that my prop would be, because I wanted to sit there and do something was a Bible, my dad's Bible from, uh, he left me when he died. So I took all my lines. I typed them out real small. I taped them in there and I'm learning the pin headlines. So I learned my lines while I'm waiting to go on stage. I get him. I, uh, <clears throat> I, 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 uh, I got, I got the part. I fly out to LA. I to get my head cast done so that they can do the makeup. And, uh, I I'm staying with a, an old friend of mine and I, I saved an extra day and I said please take me to um, a comic book store. I wanna buy I wanna find a graphic novel, a Hellraiser graphic novel. And he says, Okay, so he drives me to this comic book store. There's one graph Hellraiser graphic novel. I get it. I I open it. The first picture is a is it's a priest giving last rites to a prisoner on death row. You turn the page and Pinhead breaks in and um, destroys the priest. And I was it just, uh, it just was, it was so wild. I don't know. Anyway, that's not really how I got the part, mm-hmm. but that's something that happened in the midst of it. And it was just, it was just nuts. It was just nuts that all that happened. And I sort of paid attention I'm like, priest, 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 what is going on here? But anyway, I, so I auditioned once for, for, for Pinhead. I had walked in for my auditor audition with a bag that had my Pinhead action figure and my puzzle box that I'd made by gluing all the pieces of the action figures together because I'm 12 years old and I have the action figures already. And I said, I know this is a Hellraiser movie. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, yeah, it is. Ha ha ha. And uh, then I got called in for Pinhead. Then I had one audition. Um, I was Gary's first choice. I was the first choice of all the people. I had to mention all the people who were making this decision. And uh, so Bob Weinstein was the only one left, but he was at Con Film Festival. He couldn't get his phone to work, he could, so he couldn't uh, – bad reception. He couldn't watch my audition. I wait an extra several days just waiting to see if I'm going to be Pinhead. And then one Sunday morning, I get a text from the casting director. He says, are you awake? Yeah, I'm having my coffee. He said, welcome to the movie, Pinhead. Awesome. And, uh, and that was it. And um, it so was that- all there. Very- When you really look at it, it was all very simple. I auditioned once, I got the part.
0: Yeah, Uh, but you got a part. You must have known that you being cast for Pinhead, that this is going to change the trajectory of your career. Did you think that?
1: I did think that. Now,
0: so you shoot the film. uh, Now you have to wait. When you were shooting the film, did they sort of... uh, let you in on when it might be getting released or was it still up in the air?
1: There was not a clue. I mean, I didn't even, I didn't, it never occurred to me that it might not be released.
0: When did you start getting nervous after time has passed and this
1: thing has not made it out yet? Because I was doing publicity. I mean, I was doing social media stuff on Facebook. That's all that really there was back then that I was doing. But I was just all about, you know, these blurbs about, and I would read an I would read something, a random article that would give me a bit of information, and, or like a release date that someone had put on IMDB that turned out to be wrong. Yeah. Like, oh, it's being released. I let I do a big announcement and stuff, and then be wrong. I didn't realize that, you know, none of that stuff, none of that stuff is true until yeah. it's true. So exactly. I've learned, um, I've learned that, th- don't do that, you know?
0: Yeah, don't believe everything you read on the internet.
1: No, but I was the only thing... I was the only one doing publicity, so if it had never come out, boy, would I have felt like an ass. <laughs> you know?
0: So, oh my. Uh, you know, the, obviously, you guys probably had a, a premiere night uh, screening. Uh, I assume you were there. What were your reactions sitting in the theater, watching the film, watching yourself... Were you proud of the work that you had done?
1: I was proud of the work I'd done. Um, there, Actually, I don't think there was a premiere. I mean, the movie's oh. shot in Oklahoma City, and I live in Texas. So if there was a premiere in L.A., I don't think there was. I think I would have been told about that. Um, you would think. I, the fact that it came out the way it did, when it was just like, uh-oh, Weinsteins, we're in trouble, let's release everything, you know, it was direct-to-video, it was Blu-ray and DVD and, yeah. that, and streaming, and that's boom, that's all it was. So so I watched it in my own... I watched it at home. Okay. A time with a couple friends. and But I was very happy about my performance. I was yeah. happy that Gary had not let me get too big, that his biggest direction through the whole thing was throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. And he had shown me... Um, the first time I met him in person he had shown me the the scene from Star Wars where um Moff other uh, Peter Cushing Moff yeah. Tarkin Moff
0: Boba Fett you mean or No uh, I know what you're talking about I know what you're talking yeah. about.
1: Yes he has, he has Princess Leia on the on the Death Star they, yeah. and wherever they are. I'm not an expert on One Star Wars. One of our Star
0: Wars viewers help us out here. Yeah exactly. <laughs> anyway.
1: But anyway, he's like, you, you want? I'm going to destroy one of these planets. Do you want me to destroy your home planet or this other planet? And she can't decide. And and it, anyway, he he ends up, I think, destroying her home planet. Yeah. And she goes, no. And he just says very simply, you're far too trusting. And I remember that's Gary. He said, Peter Cushing said, you're far too trusting. And Gary goes, there, that's your pinhead right there. Just go for that. That's your energy. I'm like, wow cool so on set he would come up to me and say we're going to do another take just throw it away just throw it away and right before he said action i would say you're far too trusting action how dare you use such a word and it was all very it kept it all very you know that's, real that's so cool
0: I, to find out the inspiration you use before the takes to yeah. get into that pinhead mode
1: and again gary gave that to me you know he 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 was very good at that so it was um I was happy with with the subtlety. Yeah. Um, it, it was a different kind of pinhead, you know? It was a less synergetic.
0: Okay, we got a response. Wilhuff Tarkin was the Okay. Wilhuff Tarkin was the character's name. Okay. Yeah. I would not have guessed that either. <laughs> yeah. So don't feel bad. Uh, right. now say- you know, Judgment is out on D V D release. Uh when did you start uh was it the change in your career that you were kind of hoping for was it a little subdued or was it more than you expected
1: a little subdued but i think that that really has a lot to do with the fact that i did not move to la i did not move somewhere else um i had friends oh it's it's repeating back on me you're only no, no, you're
0: you're fine. I can see okay. and hear you fine. Yeah.
1: Okay, we're good. Okay. Um, a friend of mine. I was on a commercial shoot or some industrial shoot, and a friend of mine was like, "So when the movie comes out, you're you're getting your ducks in a row. You're going to be in L.A. So that when your IMDb is down to like it's you're like in the five thousands, you're going to be you're going to be there and you're going to be ready and you're going to be a big star. This is your chance. Your trajectory is like boom." And I was like, "Should I be doing that? Oh no, am I supposed to be?" What am I this is my big chance. Am I supposed to be moving somewhere else? I'm afraid. No, I didn't do it. No. And so I stayed. I stayed where I was. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in a way I don't want to say that I
0: I mean, I don't really think not going to LA would have made that much well, of an impact.
1: You know, I I, I don't wa- I don't I'm getting a lot of audition and uh i'm doing okay oklahoma uh the, oklahoma is exploding as far as the TV work goes um fort Worth, texas you know is is shooting the prequel to uh uh to what is it called silver is it goldstone silver i can't remember <laughs> it's Western. i don't know something i might never be seen for unless they need a lawyer I'm just
0: looking at all the stuff you have upcoming, and, man, you are filming, filming, post-production, 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 post-completed, completed, completed. completed. I mean, you've got a lot of upcoming stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm very fortunate, and I have a lot of auditions happening all the time. So I'm constantly putting... Like, last weekend, I was at a convention, and I had three auditions I had to put on tape on Sunday because they were due... um, that night night. and it was like this is great and there were major projects I've been talked to just over the last couple days about a thing that man I hope it happens I of course can't talk about it
0: but
1: but, you know a director contacted a director who knows me who's dead called Paul Taylor and la 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 and all that so about the you know the relationships and and uh, being cool at conventions and stuff and uh, Easy to work with. Um, I've always felt that integrity is extremely important, and that goes against the grain of so much that Hollywood is about. I'm
0: right there with you. I'm right there uh,
1: with you. Integrity is everything. If I'm going to get something, I want it to be because I'm good enough, because I worked hard at it, because I'm talented enough, and that I deserve. I don't want it to be because I'm an asshole that, who stabbed somebody else in the back. I yeah. just don't see that turning out well. Yeah, um, yeah. Like for no. me,
0: I have a, a, this rule that I live by. You know that when somebody asks you a request or something and you know you can't say yes, I most people, this is not just entertainment, but most people, the easy way out is to ignore it. Don't respond back. I don't live by that motto. I will I think everybody deserves an answer. And just because it's not the answer they're expecting, I owe it to them to give yeah. them an answer. While most people yeah. and this is what really gets under my skin, they choose the easy way out and just not not address it. Pretend oh, it I, never happened. I
1: text. Oh, I never got I just got this. Yeah. It, I know.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean I
1: selective about yeah. what we were
0: you got you have to understand i 've been doing this for seventeen months before I started doing this. I was just a fan, and in seventeen months, I have gotten one of the biggest crash courses in what how Hollywood and entertainment runs I mean literally, I was just a fan and i got I got inside that curtain and saw what the Wizard of Oz looks like. And how yeah. everything works, and yeah. I'm just was yeah. You hear stories, but to live it and to go through it and negotiate contracts and this and managers, publicists. It's like oh my god, this is a world on
1: itself. Yeah, I don't have the uh, I don't have the business savvy, or maybe I don't have the interest in the business part of it enough. Yeah, if I had more of that, I think that so many people who are successful, like hugely successful, who are marginally talented, are, are, that, are successes because of their business yeah. acumen. Um, and I just, uh, you know.
0: A lot of this business is really gut, gut reaction, gut feelings. What kind of feelings do you get off this person? You know, do you, can you trust yeah. them? Can you believe them? yes and i uh, you know there are going to be times you're going to be wrong and there are times you're going to be right uh it can go either way uh yeah. now i mean you do uh a lot of conventions and i've seen you i've met you just like less than two weeks ago in atlantic city you are very yeah. open with the fans you approach them you talk to them and you know that's why you're you're popular at these conventions. Uh, when you go uh, to these conventions, has it become now like oh you know this is work, or do you still personally you find enjoyment in interacting with the fans?
1: It is work in that if it's not busy, you can get really tired of just being there. Yeah, you know, my body, my body hurts easily.
0: But yeah, I hear you.
1: Air is so boring. But when there's are stimuli, when there are a lot of people, it's completely different. I mean, I feel so privileged that I'm even there in the first place. And people are not going to come up to your table if they don't want to. No. And that's another reason why people deserve an answer. They deserve. Yeah. You. It, it's. You're putting on a show. Yeah. You know. And. I have a personality that is happy to do that as long as I have enough food, enough caffeine, or whatever. Mm-hmm. As long as I have the energy to do it, I can just talk someone's ear off. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. that I'm entertaining um, to many people. Some people might think I'm annoying. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that uh, it depends on the situation itself. It's become. Because I'm doing more of these now than I well, obviously a year and a half anything <clears throat> was Zoom um, disappointing yeah, it and was all off. So th- it's kind of in 2021. It kind of I've been busier than maybe I will be in 22. I hope that's not the case. But it seemed like we were playing catch up on a lot of it. Yeah, I was supposed to do it a year and a half ago, but yeah. it all happened this year. But um, I, I consider it a privilege to be paid to get on a plane to stay at a hotel a lovely hotel and and to um
0: meet the fans
1: sell my autograph i mean yeah. it's crazy yeah
0: so, let me show you what great. i got today in the mail i don't know if you could see this my new york comic-con press pass this came in the mail today
1: so really.
0: now this is going to be interesting because uh with these bigger conventions like New York Comic Con and of course San Diego Comic Con, it's not yep. like the con- you know the convention we were at two weeks ago in Atlantic City. This is going to be right. huge, and yep. um, I don't know what to expect. Uh, I'm going to go there. Uh, it's at the Jacob Javits Center, which is huge. Yes, uh, it is. You know, they're not really releasing who's going to be there yet, even though it's several weeks away. But, you yeah. know, I'm looking forward to it and I'm going to judge it. I like smaller conventions where you really get to be more personal with the guests. I do, too.
1: I I was saying that last weekend and the weekend before or whenever it was. I do. I like a smaller con. And maybe it's also because I'm not Norman Reedus. Yeah. I'm not Jerry Seinfeld. You know, I I'm not a headliner. So if I'm at a smaller convention, maybe this is ego. It partially is, but it's not only the energy. Um, of the sort of a, there's more of a a sweetness to a yeah. smaller
0: yeah i like small conventions and and the guests are nice and they're open now i I gotta see i have uh i i don't know what to expect in three weeks when i go to new york which is my hometown it's go. i know it's going to be huge i know it's going to be packed i know it's going to be crazy it is my hometown it's where i was born and raised new york city and i'm just going to be open and just you know i'm going there as press and just Just flow and see what it's about, see what it's yeah. like, and, and have a good time. I, you know, that Atlantic City convention at the end of the weekend, we all just really enjoyed ourselves. We had a great weekend, and that's what it's about.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Beautiful hotel, and uh, there was the beach. There yeah. was the beach, you know. Exactly. Like, what, what do you want from mm-hmm. your life? Exactly. You
0: know? I want to leave. Now, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask you, out of all these completed post-production filming projects, which one should we really keep an eye out for? All all you got to do is give a title, but Uh... which one would you like, you know, pay attention to this one? I mean, there's something here called Friday the 13th Vengeance 2 Bloodlines.
1: Funny you should say that um I would say that yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that one I uh, working with Jason Brooks who is the unofficial and yet the fan I mean he he's the new Jason and uh, working with him was such a was so cool <laughs> he's a friend of mine anyway yeah so I got to in a movie uh, i'm in a friday the 13th movie um that's cool it's sequel to vengeance it's vengeance to bloodlines and and there are a couple you know there's some really big names in there some people you wouldn't expect um former jasons and stuff so i i would say that one definitely something to pay attention to because i think that vengeance the first one they did surprised so many people. Mm Like we love this guy who's now playing Jason. Yeah. Hello. Um. There's that. There's also a thing, a, a movie that might be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for a lot of people called Butcher's Bluff. Um yeah. I don't know when it's going to be finished, but uh, it, I shot my stuff.
0: Um, and you play like, Sheriff Joe.
1: I play Sheriff Joe it's a new it's it's an 80s throwback th- th- uh, slasher movie okay uh, about the hogman and you know you don't want to go up in them woods you know <laughs> you know you might not come out you know I mean it's gonna it's teenagers getting slaughtered it's uh I think it's gonna be a lot of fun for those like who, fun. Are, who love that kind of movie yeah Bill Oberst jr is in it you know he he was uh, his popcorn corn in um yeah. in billy pond's movie uh circus of the dead philipers jr is great anyway there, there's a lot of great people in awesome. it
0: awesome awesome it
1: it's gonna have a flavor to it that uh it's gonna please a lot of horror fans um
0: fantastic so we a lot of good stuff coming out yeah. to look forward to from you uh you look like you said you've been very busy i'm so happy uh i mean just all the stuff that's upcoming is amazing. I'm so happy that you've been keeping busy and your talent is being used. And I just want to thank you so much for being our guest. This has been a really fun hour, just chatting and talking.
1: Yeah. Same for me, Joe. Thank you.
0: It's been a pure treat. Any final thoughts you want to share with the audience before we go?
1: Uh, You know, just... If you if you want to follow me on social media, go ahead and do it. It's, you know, Instagram, the real Paul T. Taylor. But that's not really, um, that's not important. Uh, just thank you for any, you know, if you've ever come up, if a person is ever who's listening has ever come up to me at a table and said to me, I've seen all the Hellraiser's, I'm a huge Hellraiser fan, and thank you for getting it right and for getting it back on track you know that is the best thing i could ever hear at a convention and i thank those people because mm-hmm. um without the fans it's you nothing. know i'm nothing I, yeah. you know it, it, it could have gone it could it could have gone south exactly, um, exactly. and uh, please just keep keep watching for me because i'm not done yet no nope. i'm not done nope. i'm gonna play some crazy people
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway guys we are out of time again thank you to paul Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed this last hour as much as we have. Have a great weekend. Until next week, on behalf of Paul T. Taylor and myself, stay safe and always stay walking. Bye now.